and welcome to Rosehead, the definitive soccer podcast, your place to get all of your Euro 2020 slash 2021 news. It's me, Joe Forrester, here with Hannah East and, of course, with producer Mike. And the three Lions look toothless against Scotland on a weekend in which France les blew it as Hungary starved them <laughs> of all three points in Budapest and Goosens loosens Portugal's grip on the trophy while Italy are still on fire against the Dragons. Hannah East. Oh, wow. I, I can't get past the fact that you've told me you're wearing a, a smart T-shirt right now and you're just in your pants. So <laughs> I, I haven't got past that yet. You, you have to switch your camera off so you could put your curtain up behind you. And I'm still in that place where I'm finding this a bit weird. Yeah, and it's also a bit of a mistake because I've got, I've got rather tasteful leather chairs. I thought you were going to say leather pants then. I was like, oh my goodness. But the, the skin on leather contact, and they're not they're not real leather. And also I should say I rent. So they're not, I wouldn't, Emiliano, if you're listening, thank you. It's a lovely apartment. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't <laughs> have chosen the leather chairs with like the mirrored surface of the TV. It's a bit, it's got a mirror. The whole, One half of my room is like a mirror as well. It's right. a bit, Emiliano is a lovely bloke, but it's a bit, it's a bit of a sex palace. Okay. I'm safe in saying that. Um, right, Hannah's here and so is producer Mike. Hello, mate. Hello, Joe. I was going to say, don't I like not loving the you know entire wall filled of mirrors. That is a bit of you, isn't it? <laughs> Let's that be is honest. Joe Forrester. <laughs> every, every possible angle, Joe can check himself out. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not going to lie to you. Yet. It's just. It's a win-win for me. <laughs> um, right. Okay. So let's let's talk about how we're finding the tournament so far. We're getting to the end of the group stages. It was a bit of a drab weekend at times, but then it kicked into life a little bit later. Um, Hannah, how have you been enjoying it since we last spoke? So, well, since we last spoke, um, I know we're going to come on to talk about England and, and performance and stuff, but I, I have to say one thing I, I really like is the fact that fans are back in stadiums and seeing the atmosphere um, it just makes me feel really hungry to be able to go and watch a football match. You see, I just um, I think that's a great thing for, for players. I think it's really helping with the tournament as well. Nice, really hungry, and it was hungry. You had a yeah, full house in Budapest. Was, you were so impressed when I just said hungry. Then you look really excited by the fact I just said that. Um, but yeah, I like I like the crowds. Um, what about yourself? I think yeah, I think it's been brilliant. I loved that moment, and we'll get onto the game later. But I love that moment where they celebrated after Hungary's opener against France and bombed onto the media table where there was a lady on her phone, presumably doing her social media duties, and then she looked up and there was. 11 Hungarian players on top of her <laughs> and the whole of the stand very now and she looked alarmed but then immediately delighted because I've been terrified um, Mike what, what have your thoughts been so far yeah it's really kicking up again now isn't it I mean it's been a little bit let down by the format I'm not gonna lie because um watching the game yesterday with with um with Italy and Wales you knew like at no instant where Wales actually in danger of going out because even if they finish third they're still going to go through and it bit it sort of like devalues it because in 2016 Portugal I think drew three times and then in, in the group stage and then went on to win so it's taken the sting of it out of a little bit but I'd still say the games are, are mostly high octane at the moment so I'm enjoying it. That's really really true I watched that and there was uh players on the pitch uh, in this Switzerland game afterwards head in hands so what are you upset for you probably go through yeah Just, exactly. <laughs> so oh, I'm really annoyed because we've got a 30% chance of not qualifying it's quite the drama after. <laughs> let's start with England of course the game is on Friday night and we're going to get on to the more recent games first I was obviously horribly horribly disappointed if you don't 
if you've never watched a football match in England, particularly with the England national team, it's well, I mean, it's a full-on experience. There's lots of there's lots of kind of accountants and teachers and normal people jumping up and down on tables and sofas in pubs and stuff, throwing pints everywhere, singing Sweet Caroline and all <laughs> sorts of stuff. It was unbelievable. I was in a pub in Elephant and Castle in South London, and there was loads of Scottish fans. They put the Scottish fans in the basement of the pub, <laughs> which morality is Ooh, like... Oh, let me out, Joe, let me out. When I get out, you're in trouble, laddie. Uh, one, of them, one of them did come up to me at the final whistle, whistle, I should say, and was kind of really sincere and looked at me and put his hand out to shake my hand. And as I went to shake his hand, he pulled it back. <gasps> no, he didn't. His, wiggled his fingers on his nose, went, thanks for the point, pal. Oh, wow. <laughs> that was a violation. <laughs> <laughs> I applaud I applaud that sort of behaviour. I like I like I like being trolled. I kind of respect that sort of thing. Um, England were Scotland were very good. Mike said we've got to say Scotland were good, Hannah. So should we quickly just say Scotland were good and get it out of the way? No, I, I think credit where credit's due. I thought oh, wow. Scotland No, no, honestly, I, I think Papa, Papa I, I, He told me to say that, Joe. He told me to say that the new No, I think Scotland played really well. And the reason I think they played well because they, they showed passion, but they showed intensity. And I feel that's what we lacked. Um I think that's what England lacked, but they they were all over it from the start of the of that match and there was chances for England there was chances for Scotland but they kept they maintained that intensity throughout and you could see how much it it meant to them and you know the build up up to the game we had the tartan army and they're all chanting everyone's down in London and that to me goes reflects on when you say how have you found the Euros so far seeing fans and that excitement um, it was nice to see I know it's Scotland and if it's Scotland or Wales we have a difference of, a, of opinion on that but um, I thought they played very well and they they deserved um they deserved that a note on the scotland fans being down in london it did start on friday night it did and it's re- i it, i i like right officially nobody likes to see that sort of thing unofficially everybody likes to see that sort yeah, of thing yeah it, there's nothing funnier than drunk naked scotsmen running around London that's that's just funny so you you did send me a video I sent us a video of um of a lot of Scottish men were obviously with kilts on without pants on doing a worm up and down the tubes as they were moving um you know seeing everything under the kilt which that was disturbing for me that one guy right is in about five videos (laughs) all over London right so obviously they've been like right let's get down to London and we'll get Gary to get to get little William Wallace out, right? <laughs> and we'll get to, and we'll just keep filming him. And Gary's gone, hey, I'll do that, hey. But then obviously, Gary eventually, rightly, was arrested when the police finally <laughs> apprehended him. So Gary's missed the game and spent it in a cell where all his friends are like, oh, that was a laugh. Let's go to the pub. <laughs> I mean, so what we're saying is Gary didn't have a ticket to the match and Gary is actually my papa. That's who yeah. it is. <laughs> hey. Like, you want a wee worm? I'll show you a wee worm. Watch this. <laughs> Your kids watching TV just like, Grandad. <laughs> <laughs> oh, hello, Papa. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, yeah, I thought it was incredible. It, it was an amazing atmosphere. And what's really lovely about it is obviously football fans get quite a bad name. And yeah, there was loads of raucous, silly behaviour. I think there's a big place for silliness in life in general. And there was kind of nothing like, wasn't any altercations or anything. It was just being really, really silly and childish, which I, for one, I'm a massive fan of. Yeah, look, Scotland were excellent. I'm, I thought England were very poor. There's been one phrase that keeps coming up this weekend, everyone I've spoken to, the double pivot, 
basically two defensive midfielders. Yeah. Mike, I know you hate that, don't you? Yeah, I mean, it's just the way in which it's done. If you've got a player that's a bit more, you know, progressive with the ball, it's fine. So, like, when when Calvin Phillips was playing against Croatia, he was sort of, you know, given licence to roam. Um, but then, you know, people overhyped his performance. You know, there was the Andrea Perlo comparisons and, and all that nonsense. And then it mm. just plainly didn't work because the midfield is just not good enough against Scotland. And I just feel like when you've got so much attacking talent like we do, you just sort of almost have to let them go and just say, look, you, you guys just do do your jobs, give them the ball as much as possible, let them rotate, let them be fluid. And there was none of that. Harry Kane came under a lot of stick, Joe. Yeah. Mm. How do you feel about that? How do you feel about everyone coming for your boy? Well, I'm not, I mean, I'm not his agent, <laughs> but I should say the thing is about Kane is, right, so here, my, my analysis of the game is, yeah, two defensive midfielders against Scotland, why? I get, if you play that system against Italy or France or Germany, whatever, I get it. You're looking to soak up pressure and hit them on the counter with our quick players on the break. Fine. Firstly, Scotland aren't going to come on to you in the same way that kind of some of the bigger teams might, but equally... You're not going to be able, so you're not going to be able to counter on them because they're not going to be pushing up on you quite as much. What we really lacked was a connection between midfield and attack. Yeah. Now, anybody who's watched Tottenham this season, and the reason that Harry Kane got the most assists in the Premier League as well as the most goals is because he actually plays about 20 yards deeper than where Southgate put him. He's not yeah. a target man anymore. He doesn't really have loads of pace. He's never had loads of pace. Mm. If you want someone to be on the end of chances and I don't know, win a header in the box or something, not that there was any balls coming into the box, and play Dominic Calvert-Lewin. But Harry Kane can link up play. So when everyone was saying, oh, we should be playing Grealish, it's like, well, no, I think you're playing Kane out position anyway. Yeah. I agree with Mike. I think, to be honest, you don't need Rice and Phillips based on how good Phillips was against Croatia. Drop Rice and then maybe stick Mount and Grealish in from the start or pull Foden back and play him in midfield and then let Rashford or Sancho play up top with Sterling and Kane. Um, I also thought the decision when Grealish came on to take Foden off was insane. Foden was the only England player making anything happen. Uh, what worries me as well is, is Southgate played probably the two most, uh, the two best attacking fullbacks in the Premier League and asked them to stay on the halfway line. What's the point of that? If you, mm. want, if you want good defensive right backs or good defensive fullbacks, then those aren't the guys to play there. I just thought uh, it worries me that I'm an amateur sitting in his kitchen with essentially a duvet up behind me and I can see the glaring flaws <laughs> in this team and the manager can't. Uh, I, I just find that a bit of a worry. And if you compare it to a team like Italy, who we are going to bang on about, who looks so well coached, oh, yes. then I just, I really worry for England's future once we get out of the group. Um, Hannah, what but do you, you think? Well, I, I kind of, I looked at it that I, I think Kane needs to be that traditional number nine. Like I thought he looked tired um, I thought he should have come off a bit early. And when you think about the semi-final of the World Cup, like they didn't make the substitution early enough for Kane. And I, I, I disagree with Kane going too deep. Um, I think he should stay up top all the time. And he needs to be like you need to have that designated number ten, like the lack of uh, like of, of Foden or, or Grealish in that number ten position. Mm. They need to feed the ball to Kane because he is the he's the striker. He's the one that's going to put the ball in the back of the net. We don't need Kane to be making assists. We need the ball to be passed to him for him to to score. And that was I thought that was fairly evident. Um, and it's just that concern with. Um, I know we. I was very much in the defence of Gareth Southgate in the, in the first podcast. I think he's. I think he's good. 
Um, but I just feel sometimes these decisions, like you say, you, you're sat at home watching and you're thinking, I don't understand the logic behind that um, mm. a little bit. So, um, yeah, I, I thought I thought as soon as the match finished, I thought Kane's going to get loads of stick for this, um, and, which I think is unnecessary. I think it should have been um, more of a focus on him not going too deep and, and yeah, scoring is more there, goals. Right? Is there an argument... To because England probably because Mike was talking about the format, given the format, England probably will get through the group. What's weird about England's group is it's well, I suppose everybody's in a way, but because Group F has with France and Germany and Portugal has not panned out how everybody thought it would with yeah, France yeah. losing points, there's no way to predict who's going to finish where. Yeah. Might be Germany finishing top, might be France finishing top. You can't second guess that kind of thing. So, is there an argument in this third game to go right? Kane looks knackered. Yeah. And there were clearly elements of this system that didn't work. Let's make three or four changes, yeah. rotate a little bit, knowing that we've got a last 16 game against someone. And then it maybe gives a Sancho or a Grealish or somebody yes. like that yeah. a chance to play themselves in a little bit, maybe start Rashford up top as well. I, yeah. mean, I don't know. Is there an argument to do that? Well, I think so, because it, what's the point in saving players? In a tournament like this, why rest certain players when we don't have that certainty that we're actually going to make it through? It's not a given. Um, and from, from watching the game, it's we need that intensity. We need that speed. Uh, the, we need to move the ball quicker. Uh, we need to get it forward more. I mean, that was evident to everybody. So like you say, that formation, I don't think was our best formation. Um, but, I mean, uh, Gareth Southgate has said he's definitely going to start Kane um, against the Czech Republic on um, on Tuesday, tomorrow. Um, so he, he's already made that decision. So I think he really needs to look at the rest of the team uh, and, and positions of... And I do think that rotation is key to that. I think, as well, football is such a simple game sometimes. And, Mike, I know this kind of thing like annoys you as well. If you get the... So you've got midfield three and one of you receives the ball then you're never going to create anything or you're going to struggle to create anything if the two pass has been offered a square. And it's really, really simple. Move your runners forward, make forward runs, and then you can play forward balls. That disconnect between midfield and attack drives me insane because there were moments where there was 30 yards between Harry Kane and Mason Mount or whoever it might be. And obviously you're not going to make anything happen because there's no opportunity to get in those little pockets and players to find runs. I mean, I just find it annoying. Yeah, I mean, there's no one told <laughs> Southgate not told the team like do not go within a 30 meter radius of Harry Kane. It's just it's just insane because when you yeah. see him for the Spurs, as you said, the reason he's so good, he drops deep. Human Song goes ahead of yeah. him. There's the yeah. combination play. I mean, there's a reason why them two had so many goals and assists for each other and between each other last season because it's that interplay. And I think you're just missing out on such a big part of that when you don't in involve Kane in the play. He's such a good player. He's so much more than just a goal scorer. You know, he is the, he's the link-up man. He's he's great technically. He's got an incredible, you know, range of passing for a, for a centre-forward. And I think the one really that, that needs to be in there above all else is Sancho because he's yeah. had such an unbelievable end to the season for for um, Borussia Dortmund started the season really poorly actually but just was unreal towards the end and I feel like you have to play players based on form and I know Southgate was was talking about him the other day and saying look like I've, I've got a lot of players here this is a, a position that's, that's in demand there's a lot of competition there I just feel like let him go in this game against Czech Republic and just let him see what he can do because obviously there's only so much a player can show in training before you actually need to say, all right, he needs to he needs to go in in the game. Yeah. 
What's interesting about Jaden Sancho as well, if you haven't seen a lot of Jaden Sancho, so he's not your kind of Raheem Sterling get to the byline and square it, nor is he your Marcus Rashford kind of cut inside and drive at goal necessarily. He's a bit more like Phil Foden, cuts inside, does a bit more in and around the box. He's quite a tricky technical player. And yeah. I think him on one side, Foden on the other side, maybe switching or whatever. That to me sounds very exciting. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I know the real reason that England struggled on Friday though. And it was Gareth Southgate's outfit. So yeah. you know, That's, that is, that is the reason. <laughs> so what Gareth was Southgate was wearing a white, I couldn't work out if it was a white shirt or a white polo shirt. I couldn't see because I didn't get to see the sleeves at any point. So I cannot confirm that, right? We will not report <laughs> unsubstantiated facts. But he was wearing a long raincoat like a flasher. It was very much kind of like he was like Scott McTominay was going to turn around. He was going to be like, Ooh. what's the game plan don't worry about it i've got it lads all right so whenever they come over for a throw what do you think of that yeah (laughs) i mean but it was in a weekend of strange outfits right Joachim Lowe we talked about him on the last episode scratch and sniff sniff. (laughs) he's also got quite a large collection of i've never seen these before kind of like silky polo shirts they're kind of like you know the material that the invisibility cloak is made out of in harry potter and it kind of (laughs) shimmers He's got that, and his assistant had a matching one, and Joachim Lowe went one further and had matching trousers. So he had like a, an entire silky get-up, which I personally thought was a... I mean, Joachim Lowe is uh, potentially the least desirable manager at the tournament, isn't he, Anna? <laughs> I actually love him. And uh, I, I saw <laughs> and a picture... <laughs> yeah, I'm married to him. I, I saw a picture of, um, of myself when I was at school. You know, like the pudding bowl haircut? Yes, so 90s. So 90s. And I was like, oh, my God, the resemblance there is uncanny between the two of us. Um, But his outfits, his hair, his swag, he's he's got it all for me. He's a full package. I quite liked uh, Luis Enrique this weekend because, I mean, that was Mm -hmm. a terrible game. So Spain, Poland. But he he went for the green polo and the uh, tan chinos, very much like he was uh, playing in the Ryder Cup. (laughs) <laughs> which I really like. I thought he looked quite cool. But nobody is out doing Roberto Mancini. Roberto Mancini is fresh out of a, a like a next catalogue, isn't he? Kind of silver yeah. fox, just like, dads, you've still got it too. And it's like, well, no, not really, because we don't look like Roberto Mancini. <laughs> he kind of swings his jacket over his shoulder and kind of just like, when pe- and there's even little moments where kind of he looks at people and kind of like winks at them and you're just like, oh, you. I can just so see him in an Italian wine bar. With just like a little a little espresso and maybe like a little shabbly on one side. Oh, he's just he's he's honestly he's he's bossing it in every way, isn't he, Hannah? He is. He is. I, I like his style, and I just I can just visualise you one day walking your kids to school with that exact swag, doing that little trout pout, winking at passersby, chucking your jacket over your shoulder, like, come on, kids, follow me. This is where we're going. I can <laughs> like see that. Pied you. Piper. <laughs> <laughs> Modeling yourself on him. I would love to be about Mancini, except obviously I'm English. So by that age, I'll have let myself go a little bit and I'll just look really tired and just my belly will be coming out the bottom two buttons of my shirt. You'll be walking down to England, taking your kids to school in that case. I like Mancini. I'm obviously <laughs> Forrester. Um, let's talk about Germany. So we comfortably wrote Germany off in yeah. after their performance against France. I said I didn't think they were that good. They, I didn't think they would do anything in this tournament. I've never learned because lo and behold, they went and played Portugal this weekend, smashed them 4 2. Six goal thriller. It was the best game game of the tournament so far. Mm -hmm. It was so good. I sat down, I was cat sitting for my mate actually. So so I sat down and watched it with Zola, 
his cat. <laughs> uh, and um, it was honestly, I sat down and just thought, oh, okay, I'll just watch this and then nip home. It was, oh, Zola and I were engrossed. It was unbelievable. Germany had a goal disallowed right at the start. Portugal scored probably the best counter-attacking goal I've seen in this tournament. And then Germany absolutely blew them away. Uh, they set the goose loose. Robin Goosens out on the left, just played like a young Iron Robin. I mean, I thought Germany were amazing, Hannah. Well, they, they came like into the tunnel under a lot of pressure, didn't they? And mm. and tabloids were kind of reporting that they don't have a goal scorer, they got the wrong system, players played out of position. And like you say, they were written off. But mm. you can never, ever underestimate the Germans, ever, mm. can you? We will always come back. <laughs> always come back and get you, yeah. <laughs> my ger- my German impression is always kind of like a sexy predatory techno DJ That's... that you've practiced in front of your mirrors in your oh, living room. Yeah, oh, guys, what you want to do, Robin Goosens? You play down to the left and you get the ball in. It would be the Portuguese. Yeah, uh, I'm sorry about that. If you are, German. I should say I'm a quarter German, so I'm allowed to do that. That's in the rules. <laughs> Mike, uh, Germany were quali- Robin Goosens. I don't know loads about. Him. He plays for Atalanta, who are obviously a very good swashbuckling attacking team. But from my amateur analysis, I just kind of looked at it and thought. Well, the difference between what they did here and what they did against France is they just seemed to play a little bit further up the pitch and it put a lot more pressure on Portugal. Yeah, I mean, the wing-backs were incredible. Like Joshua Kimmich, who's, who's obviously a midfielder as well, like that guy just completely controlled the game from right wing-back, which is not even where he plays normally or at all. So it's just, yeah, um, unbelievable. And I think they're a danger. I think Kai Havertz coming into his own as well, like, Mm. By the by, the British press was written off quite early as well. Um, like like the Germans, you know, came from Bayer Leverkusen last season for in excess of seventy million, and um, yeah, didn't do great in in his first sort of six seven months at Chelsea. But then scored in Champions League final. He's scoring big goals again now. So I think he definitely is the is the key man, and that guy can play anywhere. Um, I think Lowe is just trying to trying to bow out. Um, at, at a good, at a good, you know, final tournament, and then see where he takes. I don't think they're going to win it, but I think they will. They'll go a lot further than people thought they would. Yeah, absolutely. If they play like that, then they're going to give anybody a problem. Probably worth saying, Cristiano Ronaldo, another goal. He scored in ten consecutive international tournaments, which is pretty amazing. To be fair to him, right? Let's talk about France versus the hungry, hungry hippos, <laughs> and they, they, they were hungry. <laughs> is that a niche reference? Do they have that game in America? They must do. They must do. Hungry, hungry hips is an American game. Um, <laughs> do you think they'll be after that that performance? Do you think they'll be pleased to be referenced as the hungry, hungry hippos? <laughs> <laughs> so essentially, France, world champions, uh, having beaten Germany in the first game as well, played Hungary in a full stadium in Budapest, which looked amazing. I don't know if anyone's been to Budapest. It's really, really good. And it just I went straight on Skyscanner and checked if there are any flights and then realised that you can't, you're not actually allowed to go from the UK. <laughs> but that looked absolutely incredible. Like Hannah said, it's so good to have a full stadium. Hungary were class, defended for their lives. France had loads and loads of chances, but ended up one all. And Hungary just have just given themselves a fighting chance in this group. Which and, is a surprise. Who would have thought that? Well, they're your, they're your boys, Hannah. Yeah. You backed them. I did back them and yeah, they did, like you say, defended superbly and they took their chance when it arose. But I, I genuinely was not expecting that. I kind of was joking like, oh, you know, the, the group of death and stuff like that, that it's not going to work for them. But actually, that's what's great about the Euros and that's what's great about tournaments like this. It's always the underdogs that will just step up when you least expect and rustle feathers. 
Who's Russell Feathers? Does he play for Grimsby? Play Scarborough Town. But it's also made things very interesting in Group F because obviously everybody thought France was going to walk it, then it was between Germany and Portugal for who finished second. And now, Mike, it's kind of, it's a bit of a toss-up, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it, it looks like France almost needs something from that game now, don't they? Because, like, Portugal wouldn't go all out to win. Um, you know, Germany should beat Hungary. So then then you're looking at it thinking, actually, France, you know, could be... Could, could be finishing third when we were all trying to work out the permutations for England. Mm. Now, how do we avoid France? How do we avoid avoid them? Well, it's, we just assumed that they'd steamroll it, but actually they haven't, and they actually look a little bit disjointed. I think, you know, you've got all the all these stars in this team, and it's like when when they don't perform, you know, who who do you look to? The manager, and then you know who we were going to talk about later. Italy, you you, you see the difference between you know a well coached side and a and, and a side full of just, you know, superstars that you need to just, you need to let go. But I thought Hungary were absolutely, you know, so, so much, so good value for their point and fair play to them because, you know, they're, they're a tiny nation. They shouldn't be beating the world champions, but, but, um, but they, they got a point against them. It's unbelievable. Well played. There is a scenario as well in Group F where Hungary go through and either Germany or Portugal go out. And it's not likely to happen, but this is what I mean. This point's made it really, really interesting. So France are top on four, Germany, then Portugal, both on three points, Hungary on one point. So if Hungary beat Germany and France beat Portugal, then it's going to come down to goal difference yeah. out of who of those two finishes third and who finishes fourth. Certainly made things very, very interesting. Right, at last, let's get to the bit that we've all actually wanted to talk about the whole time. Let's talk about Italy. First, we should say Wales are through. It's great. It's a much worse Wales team than at 2016. So they're through. They finish second. That's great. The adventure continues. <laughs> no, it is you good. You sound it is so good. excited, Joe. <laughs> it, is, it is good. It's like my, my sort of, I think my, um, my anti-home nation's madness has kind of cooled a little bit now that we're kind of 10 days into the tournament. And I'm sort of thinking, oh, yeah, it's quite fun to have Wales there still, isn't it? But, I mean, Italy... Again, it was only a 1-0 win. They made eight changes. And, I mean, Hannah, I just thought, again, they were, just, they were absolutely purring. They, they looked as good as their manager. <laughs> they were like velvet. Oh. Um, what's, what's your thoughts then on, on the changes that they made? Well, do you know, he brought Marco Verratti in. He's obviously a quality player. Marco Verratti, in the Italy versus Wales game, had the most touches, the most completed passes, the most chances created and the most tackles, as well as getting the only assist of the game. That's pretty much the perfect performance, I would say. Basically, he was the best on the pitch for everything. The only thing he could have done is to score, but then he wouldn't have got the assist if he'd have scored it as well. Look, they made eight changes, and it just goes to show, I think, what a well... And Mike and I, like, we'd be banging on about this, what a well-coached team can do. Because you yeah. can bring the players in or out, but it's a system and the system is kind of everything. I thought they were fantastic. Again, I actually thought Wales were incredibly good defensively. Mm-hmm. I thought they defended really, really well, much better than Switzerland or Turkey had managed against Italy. But Mike, that system is its so clear. Everybody knows their job. Everybody knows what to do. One person receives the ball in midfield. Two people break past him. They want to win every ball. They won't even let it go out for a throw in. They're by far the best coach team in the tournament, aren't they? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's just the way they they suffocate teams, Joe. It's like you you get the ball and you just got three Italian men just surrounding you, and it is just quite a scary prospect. 
you know. And Is it? Wow, well, exciting prospect. Yeah. <laughs> Wanted to be on the pitch. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it's just it's it's just unbelievable what the, the work that he's done. I think that's thirty games unbeaten now. Is, um, yeah. Under under Roberto Mancini, and they just look frightening. And the fact that you can make eight changes and the connection between the players and the relationship, and you know the the, the structures that he's implemented, you know the, the overlapping fullbacks and and the um, you know the the runs from midfield, and you know you, they're, they're playing pretty much like almost two defensive midfielders in Jorginho and Verratti, but mm. they just make it look a lot sexier than England do because because these are actually like really technically competent players um, that, you know, are coached in the right way. They've, um, you know, it's just a whole load of difference. And I feel like we need to see them against a big team, but ultimately they've done everything they can. And um, when if, if they do come up against an England or... You know, and, and another big team that's not quite, you know, shining as they are tactically. I think we will see the, the real difference. Um, but yeah, how, just, how, just so many sorry. good performances in that. Yeah, it's just so many, so many good individual performances. The fact that you can make that many changes and still be that good. Yeah. Because if England did that, or if other other teams did that, you would really be concerned about the dynamic of that team, um, the fluidity, the flow. Mm. Yeah, um, you would you would be concerned about that. But they just adapted, as um, you know, beautifully. Um, they but they adapted really well and and just remained so passionate and professional with it. Where I think a lot of other teams making that many changes would really struggle. Um, it would take a while for the dynamic to settle on the pitch. Do you think? Also, their team spirit, yeah, like like you say on this point, Hannah, their team spirit is absolutely yeah. pumping. You can tell they're going mad on the bench for every tackle one. There was a moment at the end of the game, I can't remember who it was, out on the left wing. There's a ball about to go out for a throw and he slid about five yards down the touchline to stop the ball going out. There's no point in doing that in like the 88th minute, apart from the fact that you want the ball in play the whole time so you can create more and attack more. And Bonucci on the pitch at the end, he was obviously rested in this game. Him on the pitch at the end, they're all hugging and celebrating, going mad. They know they're playing well. And Mancini not only has got them playing great football and got them in a system where everybody knows their job, but he's got them so pumped up. And this is my thing about England. And I know Southgate was kind of intimating that, look, I don't know why people are so down on it. Chances are we're through the group, four points from the first two games. That's better than we normally do. Okay, point taken. But I think playing well serves a purpose because yeah. it build. it's not about limping through each game because what we're going to do, limp through seven games and win the tournament. Yeah. Of course we're not. You're going to yeah. lose at some point. So I think you need to... It, Playing well builds team spirit and builds confidence in your players. I really think it does. But look, Italy look like the team to beat at the moment, right? No, uh, no, Sean Dyche's poetry corner this week. No, I think Sean Sean had a heavy weekend. You know, he had the good weather. Um, I think he was out all weekend, so I couldn't get in touch with him to speak to him this weekend. I'm afraid he he was at a poetry conference. Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So, what we're going to do today is Eric Dyer's vegetable patch. So where Eric Dyer's vegetable patch comes from is an article I read a few weeks ago that absolutely changed my life about Tottenham centre-back Eric Dyer, much maligned Tottenham centre-back Eric Dyer, I should say, and the fact that he keeps an allotment, which he tends lovingly. Did you see this article, Hannah? I did, yeah. And it 
do you know what? I I like Eric Dyer. Let's face it, is a limited football player, but he's a smashing fella. <laughs> he really is. <laughs> I mean, when his when his family are insulted, he will go into the stands to fight people. <laughs> When he needs the toilet, he will run off in the middle of a match. He's a unique individual. Also, I uh, interviewed him once and he was so sweet. Like, honestly, he was so, so sweet. It was before. So it was, um, are you ready for some name dropping, Hannah? Do it. Go on, just do it. Here we go. Um, this was when my career was going okay before it started. <laughs> but we were doing a shoot for PlayStation with Anthony Joshua. And Eric Dyer. Now, Anthony Joshua is obviously like the size of a wardrobe and quite to a normal kind of, well, beta male at best. He's quite intimidating because he shakes your hand. He's just like, you're right, man. And like his whole hand kind of goes round your little hat. It's like when you hold a child's hand. (laughs) I could also see his his six pack through his jumper. Oh, my God. I I didn't know you could see abs through wool. (laughs) But Anthony Anthony Joshua is proof that you can. But the other person there was Eric Dyer, who was really kind of sweet and nervous. And then when we started chatting, I was like, oh, we're putting the microphone on him. And I was like, oh, Eric, I'm a Tottenham fan. He was like, oh, yeah, okay, that's cool. Um, And it was before we played Borussia Dortmund in the Champions League a few years ago, because obviously, as Mike is going to point out, we're not in the Champions League anymore. So... (laughs) Get in there first. Yeah, I knew it. I could could feel it. (laughs) Um, But before we played Borussia Dortmund in the Champions League... And I was like, oh, I'm really looking forward to the Dortmund game next week. And he went, are we playing Dortmund? (laughs) I was like, like, yes. And he went, oh, home or away? I was like, wow, I'm not in the team. (laughs) What what are you asking? If if you've got to go to Germany to play in the Champions League, don't you know? Uh, But I thought thought this man doesn't know where his passport is. Somebody must keep that for him. But he was adorable. And then at the end... He came up and was like, oh, thank you. Nice to meet you. Bye. And then like his agent sort of shepherded him out. He's basically like a giant child. And that might be a bit reductive. But I base what I mean is a lot of footballers can be quite obnoxious and quite arrogant. Yeah. And Hannah, you've worked with a lot of footballers and know yeah. that to be true. Yeah. <laughs> but he I'm, just- not, I'm not going to name drop any, by the way, on this. So. No, <laughs> absolutely. Uh, I was trying to think who's the like person I could say <laughs> who I could really get you in trouble with. But there isn't anyone. But. Do you know what? Yeah, he's he was just such a lovely man. And it doesn't surprise me that he's got an allotment. So in a very roundabout way, that is where Eric Dyer's vegetable patch came from. So we thought we would do a feature where we look at footballers with unusual hobbies. And today, buckle up, kids. I thought I'd do (laughs) Michael Owen. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, really? Seen a bit about him in the press. If you have been reading English newspapers, would you know what? If you haven't, just Google it. Okay, just Google it. Um, hello, Michael, if you are listening. And please feel free to send me a DM. So, <laughs> Michael Owen, former Liverpool striker, Real Madrid strikers course as well, Newcastle, apparently is known to love challenges. And one challenge that he loves in particular is jigsaw puzzles. And on one occasion, he posted a picture of himself having finished a horse-themed jigsaw with a thousand pieces. That's quite mm. good, isn't it, Hannah? I've never it done is. a jigsaw that big. Do you know, I, I haven't done one that big either. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Owen also, if you've not seen it, it's worth seeking out. He is also a pilot, and there's a very famous uh, helicopter video of him. He's a heli- he, can, he can fly a helicopter. Um, there's a very famous video of him 
flying over the Dubai skyline. I can't remember, Mike, is it real or is it simulated? In my head, it's it's a cartoon, but it's real, isn't it? It is real. It's definitely real. But, you know, you, you just sort of don't expect it because this is a guy who like famously says that he doesn't watch films. He just doesn't enjoy blockbusters. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so like you sort of bring in, bring his character into question a little bit. Um, he's sort of like in the in it's to me anyway. He's he's in the band of uh, boring James Milner and those sort of footballers that just don't do much. So to hear that he does jigsaws doesn't surprise me whatsoever. But absolutely fair play because they've got a lot of spare time. So, but at least James Milner is is self aware. Kind of he knows he's boring and kind of makes does a few gags and stuff yeah. on Insta. There was that really really funny thing. I think it was maybe during the 2018 World Cup, where he made a starting 11 out of like odds and sods that he found around his house. My favourite, uh, and he, he did like a pop star starting 11 with football puns. Oh yeah, that and was class. Up, up front, he had a, a tiny, <laughs> a tiny Wayne Rooney football big head. And he said Lil Wayne, <laughs> which really, <laughs> really tickled me because it's just... It's just not hurting anyone, is it? It's just quite sweet. And you think, ah, oh, he's walked around his whole house looking for <laughs> stuff to do 11 things. And I'm sure it took him a while to walk around his house as well. Yeah, well, exactly, yeah. His wife's like, James, what are you doing? I'm looking for that Wayne. Have you seen me wearing Rooney, Karen? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Michael Owen. Do you know what? Look Michael Owen up in a search engine of your choice today, and I'm sure the first thing that comes up will be jigsaw puzzles. And send right. him a DM. <laughs> send, him a, send Michael a DM letting him know what you think about his jigsaw puzzle. Of your vegetable patch. <laughs> oh, oh. Yeah. I'm just going off Eric Dyer's vegetable patch thing there, Joe. Come on. Oh, oh go to the doctors. <laughs> right, England, Czech Republic, tomorrow night, as you said, yeah. Hannah, very quickly, what do we want to see different apart from an England win? Or do we, we don't, maybe we don't even want an England win. I don't know what we want. Well, it, it, we've, we've, we've got to remember, we did still get a point uh, against Scotland. We need to avoid defeat. But do you think that's an okay attitude to go into a game? Because I feel like that's where we're going with it. Like, oh, avoid defeat, um, as if that'll be okay. But I feel we need a bit more of an injection of pace. We need a bit more power. And uh, I, yeah, I th- uh, yeah, that, that's I, where I'm at. I personally am bang up for a draw. Because a draw puts a second, mm-hmm. which means we play whoever finishes second in Group E, which is Sweden, Slovakia, Spain and Poland. If you're thinking, oh, I'm not really aware of that group, it's because it's been by miles the worst group. <laughs> Every game has been terrible. It's been such a boring, rubbish group. And I would fancy even boring England against anybody in that group. Um, don't know what you think, Mike. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, those games have been horrendous, haven't they? Uh, for England... <laughs> I think just just try and stop Patrick Schick from from just embarrassing you because I think he's got yeah. three goals now. One of them was that absolute worldie against Scotland, mm. which we will keep going back to time and time again because just left David Marshall spun in a web of, of the net and it's just like hilarious. literally inter intertwined himself because yeah, he's got yeah. three goals in this tournament. He's had ten attempts on goal and he's been on target with six. Oh. Yeah. It's a dangerous start, isn't it, to go up Absolute, Absolutely danger, man. But yeah, I just, I just want to see, as Hannah mentioned earlier, I want to see a bit of intensity from England. I want to see them on the front foot because there's there's no reason why we shouldn't be winning that game. And because it is all about momentum. Like like Joe said earlier, like you don't want to be just 
scraping through. You want to get, you want to use these games to build confidence. Like Italy made eight yeah. changes and still absolutely battered Wales. So we need to do the exact same. And yeah. I'm, I'm, I want to see some fresh blood. Like I want to see Jack Grealish in now. I want to mm. see Sancho. I want to see Bukayo Saka, not just because I'm an Arsenal fan. Um, you know, like throw him on, see what he can do. Yeah, it's, exactly. Give him a go. There's, there's, there's no reason why. It's maybe, maybe this is a game to see um, how how the injured boys are doing as well. To see how see how Maguire is doing. Yeah. See how Jordan Henderson is, and and so we can hopefully use them later in the tournament because they're going to be big players. England have got at least six days off once they qualify should they qualify I mean it's almost impossible not to but England have got at least six days off after this so yeah why not give people a run out see where their fitness is at just looking at the yeah. other groups as well group A is all sewn up obviously Italy finished top Wales second Switzerland finished third Turkey finished bottom on zero points potentially the worst team in the tournament so far in group B Belgium are top Belgium are going through no matter what happens they play Finland today. Russia are playing Denmark as well. Russia currently sitting second in that group. But a win for Denmark could, depending on the swing, put them second, maybe third, all to play for there. In Group C, Netherlands are through. Ukraine and Austria both on three points. And Netherlands facing North Macedonia. My boys who are out of the tournament and have no way of qualifying. Obviously, in Group oh. D, Czech Republic top. <laughs> yeah, Mike's sad. No, <laughs> no more North Macedonian national anthem. Uh, Czech Republic top of, obviously, Group D. England currently sitting in second. Both those teams likely to go through. Croatia are playing Scotland in the final game uh, of the group. Both those teams could also finish third and second as well. It's how open it is with this format. Group E, Sweden on four, Slovakia on three, Spain on two, Poland on one. To be honest... No one really cares who goes through from that group. <laughs> I don't. It's a terrible group. Slovakia playing Spain and Sweden playing Poland in the final round of games. And the really exciting one, Group F, Germany have got Hungary, Portugal have got France. These games are on Wednesday. France currently top four points. Germany and Portugal both on three points. Hungary on one point. France will go through, but there is potential for everything to change in that group. France, the lowest they can finish is third, but that might not be enough for them to qualify. That group, weirdly, has turned in to the most interesting. Right, that's it for today. There's just time to say, if you want to send us a picture of yourself, <laughs> right, can I just say, no Michael Owen style stuff here. Keep it clean, yeah? <laughs> Keep it clean. You can send us a picture at Rosehead Pod on Instagram or at Rosehead Soccer on Twitter for the Rosehead fans calendar and our favorite picture will get to put a word into sean dyche's poetry corner right that's it from us uh, hannah thank you very much thank you joe mike thank you very much cheers joe and don't forget we will be back on thursday you can get in touch rosette soccer on twitter rosette pod on instagram and we will see you next time bye